They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is the GenSend Podcast with Shane Pruitt, Paul Wooster, and Lacey Via Sr. the Jensen podcast. I have with me always Shane and Paul. And today we're actually diving into an article that Shane wrote. So how are you guys doing today? Doing well, doing well. Always love these conversations with great friends. And I feel like at the end, you know, we'll wait and see if we say it today, but I feel like at the end of every one of these conversations, I always tell y'all, y'all know this, that once the recording stops, I always say, I think that was my favorite one. <laughs> yeah, I'm anticipating this is going to be my favorite one. Yeah. Hey, that's what I love about working with you, Shane. You got that positive attitude. You're like, the best is yet to come. Like, that was the best <laughs> session ever, you know? So I might as well, Everybody I'd rather have that. Awesome. I'd rather have yeah, that yeah. than someone that's like, well, let's see how we could have, you know, it's like, no, yeah. let's, let's enjoy the ride. As hey, but it's good though. I feel it's a balance because we have some realists on our team too, you know, that don't mind speaking up going, it wasn't that awesome. <laughs> 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 everyone needs that in their life yeah. <laughs> just to bring them bring them down not yeah. bring them down but bring them to reality bring them to earth <laughs> shane was just telling us also about his new wardrobe so if you see him this fall or spring you'll have to compliment him on his new outfit <laughs> thanks Lacey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's always finally rocking the fits. always yeah rocking the fits. yeah after after you know uh, at least a couple years prayer request from my oldest daughter finally retired all the skinny jeans you know <laughs> it's been an answer to prayer for her there, yeah. there are guys listening right now and they're like skinny jeans are out of style what <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're like no <laughs> they're hitting stop right now they're done with this conversation already yeah Aww. that's like i mean you guys can't relate to this because you're guys but there was a whole movement of girls moving to the middle part last year and every millennial girl or older Gen Z like me was like, no, I'm keeping my side part forever. We're not going to the middle part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it'll come back in a year or two. You know, yeah. The side part, so. Yeah. <laughs> Why well, change everything? Uh, but I'm excited to dive into today's conversation. I think also it's a little personal, not only because Shane wrote it, but also because he has a senior in high school and a new middle schooler. And what we're talking about today is how to close those four major gaps in your student ministry. And so the gap, the first one's the gap between middle school and high school, the gap around getting their driver's license and the gap between their junior year and senior year. And finally, the one we probably heard the most about, the gap between youth ministry and college ministry. And a lot of this was based off of um, LifeWay's research. And according to LifeWay research, about two-thirds or 66% of young American adults who attended a Protestant church regularly, so I think that counts as two or three times a month, um, for at least a year, they said they dropped out of attending church for about a year between the ages of 18 to 22, and some of those never returned to their faith. And so that's probably the gap that most of us have heard about, and that's that gap between youth ministry and college ministry, like we said. So why do y'all think, let's start here with this one, why do y'all think this is still such a major gap, and what are some things that youth and college ministries can do to make this handoff better? 
Such a good question. I mean, I think be, part of the reason is because those other gaps have not been discussed. And so by the time they, even if someone's in the youth ministry physically, a lot of times they've checked out by the time they, they graduate from high school. And so they're just, there's not even that desire to go plug into a church um, because we miss those other gaps. And so that's that's something to consider is I think this conversation that I know Shane even posted this. He said this is that article he wrote could be one of the most important articles he's written. Um, and I, I agree. I think this idea of the handoff and the gaps between these different um, things that we need to really double down our efforts to help students connect with the church and connect to their next stage during these key transitions. But I mean, one of the reasons I focus on collegiate ministry is because I've seen it over and over again, is that the friends a freshman student makes those first month on campus often determines the course of their the rest of their entire lives, actually. And so if a college ministry can help them and reach them, and I know I have a lot of friends that are right now, they're in the midst of their welcome week where they're reaching out to freshmen and and things like that. And so I think that is one of the most strategic gaps that the church can be in is right when a student, that first month that the student's on a college campus, how are the churches, how are the college ministries doing everything they can to make it an easy, welcoming environment? There's more, but maybe let's let toss it over to Shane. Let's see what your thoughts are. Yeah, that's such a good word, Paul. And, and uh, to give a little bit of a, a preview of really probably the dominant conversation that Paul and I've had one-on-one is really this idea of what we're kind of calling right now, the handoff. How do we bring the collegiate world and student world together? I think a part of this gap problem is in a, in some ways us as leaders have kind of helped cultivate that gap problem because what we've done on, on a large scale is we've had like uh, the collegiate world and then the youth ministry world almost separate and siloed for so long um, that students kind of fall through that gap because we've kept them so separate and siloed. Now, listen, is there, should there be a silo for collegiate level? Absolutely. On, on some level, should there be a silo for youth ministry on some level? Absolutely. But how do we also start bridging that to where we're working together more and bringing those worlds together? And so Paul and I, uh, hopefully over this next year, we're hoping to bring some some thought leaders together and thought provokers together, some resources that how do we bridge those gaps better? Because I feel like if we would do that as the bride of Christ and as leaders, then students are only going to benefit from that. I think some practical things um, that we can do is on the youth ministry side, I think as youth leaders and youth pastors, what we got to do is start changing how we view the oversight of our students. Uh, I think in the past, we felt like our oversight of our students ended on graduation Sunday. Um, you know, I, you know what I mean by graduation Sunday? Usually mm-hmm, it's the weekend mm-hmm. that churches honor the graduating seniors, right? And we see them walk the stage and we usually give them a book and, and you know, some kind of gift and stuff. And then we think we're done. I want to say, let's expand our care and our watch care of those graduating seniors and go, in a sense, you're probably never done. They're always going to see you as their youth pastor, right? Yeah. But sure. even in watch care, don't see your watch care as being done until 
they've plugged into another local church or until they've plugged into the young adult ministry, collegiate ministry in your church, if they move off and go to school, your watch care is not done until you help them plug into an on-campus ministry. Like expand your watch care to go, hey, I'm not done until an effective handoff has truly taken place. Meaning if they've gone off to school, they've plugged into another local church or into an on-campus ministry and you've helped with that. If they're staying in town and staying at your church, you're not done until you know without a doubt they fully have plugged in to that next stage of whatever that looks like at your church, whether it's college ministry, young adult ministry, singles ministry, whatever that looks like. So I'd say expand your watch care past uh, graduation Sunday. And then I think a lot of times um, let's be more proactive instead of reactive. You know, a lot of times we go, okay, they've graduated. They have not transitioned well in the collegiate or young adult ministry. What do we do now? That's reactive. I think we'd be more proactive going, hey, starting their senior year or junior year, what are some ways that we're helping them plug into college ministry or young adult ministry already? Um, I know a lot of uh, college ministries do this already at the local church or or uh, on-campus ministries, BCMs do this. Uh, in fact, our like you mentioned while I go, Lacey, and you know our daughter well, Reagan, she's a senior um, but she's already kind of determined what her top school is, which is, uh, you know, in Oklahoma. And uh, we'll see how it goes, but that's where she wants to go. So what I've done is I already know the BCM director there. Mm -hmm. And Kyle, all throughout the year, he does what he calls senior nights. And it's where high school seniors are invited on campus and invited to their ministry, invited to their worship service to come worship with college students. And they can do that all throughout their senior year. So Reagan and I are planning going to Oklahoma multiple times this year during those senior nights to help her start getting plugged in already before she graduates. Yeah. Yeah, I love that idea. That's so cool. And yeah, most of the students I've seen transition well, it's because they were looking forward to the ministry that they were going to get to be a part yeah, of or the church right. they were going to get to be a part of. And so I think that really is a key factor in it. Shane, you, I think, and correct me if you're wrong, were one of the first person people to mention these other three gaps in the student ministry. Um, at least in this recent article. So how did you determine these gaps? And what have y'all both seen student ministries do well to respond to these transition phases in a student's life? Yeah, when it comes to, you know, these four gaps, the gap between middle school and high school, the gap around getting your driver's license, the gap between junior year and senior year, because uh, once they get that senior schedule and all those responsibilities, many of them, like uh, including our daughter, have already, they're already taking college classes as a junior and senior. So they're already starting to think like a college student. So there's that gap between junior and senior year. Senior year. And then we know the natural gap between high school and college. You know, I would love to say, you know, we got it from all this research and data that's out there and statistics, but there's really not a lot because like I, I think you said is everybody knows those gaps there, but we really haven't dove into why and what's causing them. So really, a lot of this has just come from um, observation of being around a lot of student ministries and collegiate ministries and then a lot yeah. of conversations um, with, uh, collegiate leaders and senior pastors and youth pastors. Um, you know, uh, Paul, our, our good friend, Keith from resonate church, probably the first conversation I had around these gaps was with him 
last mm-hmm. year at the college coaching network. He was there and it was just kind of over lunch. We were sitting at the table and he goes, you know, Shane, we're finding we're getting fewer and fewer college students dumping into our ministry at Resonate Church because they're never making it through the student ministry to begin right. with. So before right. they ever hit that gap, they've already, already fallen through other gaps. And I was like, yeah, I'm seeing that too. And so we kind of identified just over lunch, eating fajitas, <laughs> those kind of four <laughs> gaps. And then it just started going through conversations with youth pastors and collegiate leaders saying, hey, are you seeing this as well? And they absolutely are seeing that as well. So so really, Lacey, just through kind of observation and conversation, and I think we all realize it's there. We just don't really know what to do with it. In fact, I think in the article, I said, we're hitting the snooze button. You know, there's two kinds Mm. of people like there's me. I set my alarm to wake up at the last minute possible. (laughs) My wife sets her alarm like an hour before she actually has to get up because she loves to hit snooze over and over. I don't understand that. Those people need Jesus. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's like one of those things. It's like, it's like the alarm keeps going off that we have these gaps and we keep hitting the snooze alarm snooze button instead of addressing them. And we got to wake up to them. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. That's good. Yeah, ultimately, it's a discipleship issue, because if we're not doing a good job discipling them through each gap, then they'll drop out at any given point. And but knowing that these are things that these are things that common themes and trends can help us reverse engineer and create uh, discipleship pathways and things to help students stick with us and engage. I think it's a it's an engagement factor is are students genuinely engaged in what we're doing, not just attending our events. And so mission trips, evangelism, those type of things where they they get hands-on training um, can really um, help students experience God in, a, in an authentic way. Yeah, I really do think verbalizing this and like putting it into actual words, because I think all right, we we all see it and we know it's there, but actually identifying, oh, these are the gaps, is powerful because it allows us to really step into those things and to be more aware in those transition seasons of life. Um, I've personally seen a ton of students, and I know when I was a student, they dropped off when they got their driver's license. That was like a really big one that I saw. And so what are some things that leaders and pastors can do to close this gap? But I would also add, even maybe even more so, what are some things that parents can do in this transition? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the one that's the most confusing for leaders sometimes, uh, Lacey, because you're like, oh, man, I got these students. They're in my core. They're serving and they're so dependent on other people to give them rides. Right. They're so dependent on their older sibling or their friends or their friend's parents or their own parents to give them rides. And so as I remember as a youth pastor, I would go, oh, man. When so-and-so gets their driver's license, they're going to be all in because they don't have to depend on other people for rides. And then they disappear and you're like, where did they go? I think it's the driver's license that gives them a little bit of extra freedom, right? So typically you'll start really seeing, are they truly bought into the ministry? Are they truly bought into to following Jesus? Or was it just kind of borrowing their parents' faith? Meaning they came because yeah. their parents came. When they start driving themselves, there's that extra layer now of like where they're really choosing and deciding to bring themselves and get themselves there. So I, I go back to what Paul says. I think it's a discipleship issue. Like, hey, we start 
in sixth, seventh grade, whenever that is in your context, when they join the student ministry and go, hey, we really want to teach them to love Jesus, love the church, serve, be plugged in, be known, be in community, be in a discipleship relationship. Maybe possibly they're discipling others as yeah. they're getting older because all that's going to be sticking power. On the parents end, I'm so glad, Lacey, you added parents to this yeah. because here's what we do. And, and Casey and I, I'm, we were just as guilty. You know, we, you know, we had six kids, now five, and, and one of ours is in heaven. But we were like, I remember I was terrified for Ray to get her driver's license Casey couldn't wait you know because she was like it's help you know what I mean like now she can go to the grocery store now she can go mm -hmm. take her siblings to practice or pick them up at mm -hmm. school like now it's an extra vehicle it's help so I think a lot of times as parents we're pulling our students out of student ministry or out of church or out of community or out of their small group because we're giving them all these extra responsibilities to help us going hey uh, well now you got to go to the store now, uh, well, you know what? Your your sister has basketball practice on Wednesday nights, and we need you to go pick her up now instead of going to church. So as parents, I think we need to be real cautious of that. Yes, it's an extra set of wheels. Yes, it's extra help. But as a parent, help them keep the main thing, the main thing, and those priorities um, straight in that. So I think that's important. Also, at 16, when they get their driver's license, a lot of teenagers, that's when they get jobs. Yep, and yep. what we tend to do is we need to be more proactive here. And parents, we need to help our teenagers do that, is to go, hey, our 16-year-old's going to get a job at Chick-fil-A. Um, and so, yeah, they get Sundays off, praise the Lord. But what they forget to ask for is Wednesdays off. Mm -hmm. So now they've got the job. They're working and then they want to go back and ask for Wednesdays off and it's too late then. What we need to help our students do is like if they're going to get a job from day one at the beginning in those interviews, go, hey, I want to work here. But Wednesdays or Tuesdays, whatever that looks like for your context are non-negotiable. That's church. That's a high priority to me. And I'm not going to work on Wednesday nights or Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, whatever that looks like for your church. So parents, we need to help our, our teenagers be bold enough to make that statement up front because it's a lot easier to declare the days you need off when you're going through the interview process versus when you already have the job and now you want to go ask for those days off. Yeah. Mm, that's good. Would you add anything to that, Paul? No, I actually... Yeah, I was going to bring up that um, part-time job situation because I do think that's that's actually a lot of times that's driven by the parents. The parents exactly. are trying to get them to, and it's good, those, those responsibilities and those things. I think it's great for a teenager to have a part-time job, but if they're getting more hours at Taco Bell or Chick-fil-A and they're not getting more hours in the church... What do you really think is going to give them more long-term benefit for their life? I think, man, I think we failed if we prioritize um, even good opportunities like part-time jobs at the expense of a true commitment to the local church. Yeah, and a lot of times there's even more than it's like the jobs, the sports, the family. I mean, there's so much. And so I think, yeah, if you're starting, if you're starting with your family culture as this is our number one priority is like making sure that we're committed to the Lord and committed to our church and things like that, um, then obviously everything else will center around it, which I think is good. And I know, Shane, you mentioned that all the time, especially when it comes to outside activities and sports and all those things. Good things, mm -hmm. really yeah. good things, but 
we don't want them to be the main thing. Yeah. Um, I know our heart here at NAM really is to see the next generation discipled and sent out to live on mission. But often we can't mobilize students to share the gospel if they haven't first been discipled in the word and, and learned how to share the gospel and all those things. And so is there a balance, maybe both of you can speak to this, to being seeker sensitive for new students, but also diving deeper into doctrine and theology with more core students so that it's not so easy to just walk away good good question yeah i think so i think there's a way and i don't know if i love the term seeker sensitive because of how it's been used in the past <laughs> but i do think it's it's good to have a fun welcoming excellent environment or environments that you can that new non-christian students can come attend the gospel makes sense to them. They're welcomed. It's fun, exciting. I, I'm a big fan of all that stuff. But that assumes that you have a next layer, a next level, a next layer, where you're personally discipling students and going deep and training them in how to have devotional times. I think even more so than doctrine and theology is having a regular devotional time uh sit like actually make not just teaching them how to do a quiet time but really helping them develop that habit of prayer time daily in the word scripture memory um evangelism those type of things if you get a student doing those habits practicing those habits not in a legalistic way but if if a student starts doing those things on their own man they learn how to feed themselves yeah. then they're going to be really healthy and uh, able to weather the different storms and different gaps that come up in their life. Yeah, yeah, such a good word, Paul. Yeah, and I think, Lacey, in the New Testament, you see really like both models, right? And so I think we got to run that on almost like uh, like a railroad track. If you remove one of the tracks, the train's going to fall off, right? And so mm -hmm. I think the track that the gospel runs on is in the New Testament, you see there is a come and see model, right? Like come yeah. and see, come and be a part, gather with us come in and, and get to know us, let us get to know you. So there is that come and see model, but there's also that go and tell model. And I think it's both that the gospel has to run on. If you remove one of them, in a sense, uh, the track, you know, the train falls off the track. So there's yeah. got to be a come and see, go and tell. I think a lot of times, to be honest, we're probably a lot better at the come and see than we are at the go and tell. Right. And I think if we're going to be effective for the future in young adult college student ministries, we're going to have to get better at the go and tell because we already know Gen Z, statistically speaking, is the least religious generation we've ever seen in the United States. I just assume uh, the alpha generation is going to be even more so. So that means the come and see, chances are fewer and fewer Gen Z, especially alpha generation, are just going to wake up one day and go, ah, I think I should go to church. You know what I mean? Used to, if like, if you wanted to build a church, just put a church sign up and it's like filled of dreams. If you build it, they will come. And a lot of churches operate like that. Hey, just make an excellent worship experience. Let's make some fun stuff. If you build it, they will come. And I think it's just going to be fewer and fewer situations where we see that we're gonna have to equip our people 
to go and tell. So yeah. yes, it's still come and see, but it also has to be go and tell. And we have to disciple our people to do that. Um, and then one thing I think we do as leaders, and especially as communicators, those who are teaching God's word and preaching God's word, is that if you're in a crowd, and it doesn't matter if the crowd is 12 or 1200, you're typically going to have four types of people in that crowd. And I think as communicators, as leaders, we always have to be aware of all four and maybe right. even ask ourselves, like, how am I addressing all four of these people? And those four people are in the crowd, those who are lost and know they're lost, meaning they're not believers and they know they're not believers, but they're there. The second type of person is those who um, are lost, but they think they're found, meaning mm -hmm. this, like they they equate being a Christian to going to a building or showing up, or I believe in the big man upstairs. <laughs> I hate that term, but in Texas, we hear it all the time. Right? <laughs> so there's people in the crowd who are actually lost, but they think they're found. The right. third type of person is those who are found but they think they're lost, meaning it's probably just they need to be discipled or they have some bad theology, meaning they, they messed up that week. And so they think mm -hmm. because they messed up, they lost their salvation or something. Right. And so those who are found but think they're lost and we need to help them journey through that. And then the fourth kind of person in any crowd is those who are found and know they're found. So how are we taking them deeper? How are we mobilizing yeah. them? Mm -hmm. So I think we need to keep all four people in mind every time we gather and go, how are we? ministering to them? What in this message challenges that person? What mobilizes that person? What invites that person to follow Jesus? So those who are lost and know they're lost, those who are lost, but think they're found, those who are found, but think they're lost and those who are found and know they're found. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I would add about even our, our weekly worship gatherings or whatever you call your student ministry meeting um, I think there is a hunger for an experience of the Holy Spirit in those moments. And so I see a danger when we systematize and structure our meetings so much that every single minute is dialed in and there's no room for the speaker to follow the spirit into something that or even the worship leader or people praying or even having opportunities for response time. I think we saw in different things, revivals this spring and things like that, that this generation wants an authentic encounter with the living God. And so we need to be as teachers and communicators and worship leaders filled with the spirit ourselves and able to respond to that, but also fostering an environment where, hey, if you're coming, if you're if you're checking out this event, like get ready to encounter God. And that comes with teaching God's word in a clear, authority, authoritative, and even bold way. I've, I've actually found that even if I have a group of non-Christians, a whole spectrum, I can't preach hard, hard enough to that, to mm -hmm. this generation. I, so we will have fun. We'll have food. We'll have games maybe. But when it gets time to preach the gospel, man, we're going to roar the gospel. We're, we're going to proclaim the gospel and then I've just seen that's what students want. They don't want something that's kind of like TED Talks with a Bible verse or something. <laughs> no, they they want like actually one time we were doing topical Bible studies that were kind of like, I don't know, they're video based and stuff. And we had non-Christians come to us and say, so when are we going to do 
Bible studies, <laughs> you know, where, where, where we get like actual Bibles. Out. Oh, and, man, and I'm like, awesome. oh, bro, we were doing that to reach you, but you're saying you want to, you Let's know, go. and, uh, yeah, I love and that. so that's what this generation wants. They want the Bible, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I love that. So you even got unbelievers going, uh, when are we actually going to talk about the Bible? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Paul, that's such a good word too. And like, listen, listen, I'm a big fan of time management and things should be organized. Like God's not the author of chaos and confusion. We know mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. but it does feel like sometimes we're like, Hey, we want to be spirit led. God move, do something that blows our mind. But as long as it fits in planning center, you know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we forget sometimes when, yeah, non-believers show up or people who are seeking or whatever show up to church, they're expecting to pray. They're expecting to hear the word of God. They're not expecting to come and just have fun. I mean, if you're, if you got invited to church, you know what you're, you're stepping into and they're wanting to know more about God. And so I think, yeah, like you said, Paul, we should be, we should dive into it because they're hungry for it. They want it. We shouldn't shy away from that. Um, Shane, you mentioned in the past, and I've loved this because I see this really often, I think, and it's so easy to fall into this, but you've mentioned in the past the danger of a student or a college ministry being run like a church within the church. Can you talk about some of those dangers and how have you seen ministries navigate this well? Yeah, absolutely. Lacey. And and I would, I would contend that's probably one of the most common causes of people falling through gaps is when we run our ministries like churches within a church, because if you think about it, and I think probably student ministries and collegiate ministries for a lack of a better term are the worst about doing this. So a lot of times let's just take a student ministry as an example of like, Hey, we got our own name. We got our own vision statements. We got our own theme. We got our own identity. We got our own culture. We got our own leaders. And then when a student graduates out of that, then they're expected on some practical level to go join a whole new church that just meets at the same address, right? Like they <laughs> yeah. don't know the culture. They don't know people. They don't know the direction. They don't know vision. And so I think the game changer and the paradigm shift is this student ministry and college ministry at the local church has to be a part of the whole life of the church. It's mm -hmm. just part of the whole life of the church. It cannot be its own separate thing. And so I found the two ways to do that is we want to operate like Titus chapter two, right? The older men take the younger men, the older women take the younger women. And we want to be multi-generational. I think when we cut our discipleship legs out from under us is when we are so siloed. Now, listen, I want to make this very clear for those who are listening. I don't want to cause any confusion going, well, I thought Shane was the next gen guy. And now he's like, he's like banging on next gen ministries. No, no, no. Listen, I believe in age specific ministries. Right, I do. Right. The, the point I'm making is if we only do that, meaning like, hey, we're always separating people by life stages, meaning all the kids you go over here, all the teenagers you go over here, all the college and young adults you go over here, all the, you know, married go over here, all the married with children go over here, all the empty nesters go over here, all the, you know, we don't really say senior adults anymore because people don't like that. So all the classics you go over here, right? <laughs> and we keep everybody separated. Mm -hmm. Then what we do is we cut our discipleship legs out from under us. Like there is so much a 16 year old can learn from a 66 year old. And yeah. there's so much a 20 year old can learn from a 74 year old or a 40 year old. And let's be honest, there's a lot that 70 year olds can learn from 20 year olds, like how to use 
use their iPhone. You know what I mean? And so there's so much we can learn from each other. That's why Titus chapter two is so beautiful. And I think the two areas I've seen done the best in this is usually in serving and mission. Like mm-hmm. serve together. Like some of my favorite local churches to show up and preach at is when you walk up and there's the 16-year-old, the 20-year-old, the 40-year-old, and the 80-year-old all greeting together. All ages Mm -hmm. serving in children's ministry, all ages serving in the sound booth, all ages represented on the stage, all ages represented in the offering or whatever, you know, whatever those serving opportunities are. So I think serving, it can be done in serving. And then the other thing is on mission. Hey, nothing like disciples people more and nothing brings people together more than being on mission together. You know, I think a lot of times we think we make community the goal and say, okay, out of community, we're going to build mission. No, no, no. Make mission the goal because the greatest community builder is mission being on mission together and so like hey i'm all for youth mission trips and college mission trips but what about serving our cities the neighborhoods and the nations together to go hey we're sending 30 people to germany and on that trip are teenagers young adults families kids classics, you know, whatever, like, and they're all (laughs) serving together. Like, so I'd say those are the two areas where we can really be good at multi-generational, I think is serving and being on mission together. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. One thing I would add another, often there's elements where a church is putting on men's events, men's retreats or women's events, women's retreats, things like that, where a college ministry or youth ministry could easily put that in their calendar. Okay. We're going to take our men our, our young men to this men's retreat and they get to rub shoulders with all the other men in the church. Right. And yeah. it's, it's a great experience for them. So there's things like that, that the church is already planning. Um, and it doesn't have to take away from, cause I do think there is value. Like Shane already said, there is value to having your own systems, your own strategies and yeah, leaders sure. and doing a really good, making a really excellent um, ministry. But, as long as it's integrated into the overall church and students are really participating in that because what we see, and we see this a lot in college ministry too, is when they graduate from college, that's actually another gap that we didn't talk about is a lot of times students had a great experience in college and a college ministry, but if they don't get truly plugged into a local church and get a taste for that, then when they go to their local church, they're like, Hey, our call, they would always bring up, what our college ministry used to do was this, this, and this. And how come our church isn't doing that? It's like, no, like they missed it some on some level. So we need to help make students really fall in love with the local church. And if if our students, if if they're if they're in love with our ministry, but not in love with the local church, we failed, I think. Oh, so man, we need to make sure Paul. that we yeah. yeah. So yeah, Paul, specifically, maybe those on-campus ministries that aren't tied to a church, how can those college ministries really partner well with churches in the area so that they do fall in love with the local church? Great question. Yeah, I think that's something that is done, like especially in our, our family of Baptist Collegiate Ministries, they do a great job. The Baptist Collegiate Ministry leaders that I know personally, and I know a lot of them, <laughs> um, is they 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 are churchmen. They really value the local church and they actually form, they really long for meaningful partnerships with local churches. And so it kind of has to go both ways where the, the campus-based ministry and the local church find ways 
that they can integrate and serve one another. And so there's that attitude on both sides of not a lot of times it does cut if you're not careful the the pastor of the church and the bcm director or campus-based ministry leader can each come to each other with hey this is what i need from you when no it needs to be (laughs) like we need you to give to us and we need your students (laughs) to come to our church and serve in our kids ministry it's no like hey how can our students serve your local church and how can our church serve your campus ministry? And it, when uh, when churches and ministries come together like that, that's when you really start to see synergy. And that looks a lot of different ways. But one way we did it in Chico was we had our the senior pastor of kind of our primary partner church was he was the fall retreat speaker every year. So those new mm-hmm. students that we were reaching during our first month on campus would come to the fall retreat and they would hear at the retreat from our senior pastor right. and they would fall in love with him and just be like, Hey, I guess I'm going to go to that church and I'm going to get baptized. And they would kind of funnel into that. And so there's different ways uh, just based on your context that you can make those type of things work. Mm, that's so cool. I, I love that idea about just bringing in the local pastor to mm-hmm. to preach at an event or or even just one night a week, because that really does impact people to just know, know that face, know that teaching style, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the thing that kept me really involved or one of the things that kept me involved just at my church specifically throughout so many different transitions were all the relationships I had with people, whether it was leaders, small group leaders, uh, youth leaders, just friends in the church or even older people in the church who just discipled me. Um, it really was those relationships that kept me there, kept me connected because no one wants to go to something where they feel alone or awkward or unknown. They don't want to do that. You know, the scary, just hang by the wall until somebody walks over to them. And so I know Shane, you mentioned that the, I think the ministry or, or the uh, college in Oklahoma does this really well with senior nights, but what are some ways that leaders can really connect students with other people before they transition to a new life stage, whether that's middle school to high school, high school to college, or even college to post-grad, because I think that is a really big gap as well. Yeah, uh, great question. And I think that's getting to the practical side of it, right? To go, okay, we realize these gaps are here. So what do we do now? And you know, it's always relationships, you know, uh, Lifeway did a study several years ago to go, okay, those students who stick, they stick from middle school to high school, you know, high school to college, college, young adult, young adult into the life of the church. What are those key factors? And by far, it was if that person could have six to eight key relationships in the ministry, they always stuck. And I don't know why it was that number, but it was that. It was relationships Mm -hmm. and six to eight. And I think a lot of that is on some level, it's the accountability, right? Depending on the size of the ministry you're in, as a youth pastor, it's hard for you to chase everybody down. As a college pastor, it's hard for you to chase everybody down. As a senior pastor, it'll be hard for you to chase everybody down. But when there's when you got, man, there's six to eight of us that know each other well and love each other well. Guess what? Well, you know, when when Sarah stops showing up, those 
six to eight are going to go after Sarah before maybe even the college pastor realizes she's not showing yeah. up or before the yeah. senior pastor realizes she's not showing up. So it's got to be relational there. And I think part of that relationship is also um, like we kind of already said, but exposing them to the next stage before they reach that next stage. So yes. be intentional, like, hey, if you got middle school students during eighth grade, how do you use that eighth grade year to start exposing them to the high school ministry? If you know uh, you got students that are reaching that that you know driver's license junior senior year, how are we raising the expectation on them, using them as leaders, using them as um, servants, using them as disciple makers? We're approaching that before they get there. Same thing with seniors. We're exposing them to college ministry. Same thing with young adults. We're exposing them to the life of the church, helping them get plugged in, build other relationships outside this specific ministry, serving. I think it's always going to be relational and serving is always going to be the biggest sticking power. But here's the deal is we can't wait until the gap to do that. We have to plan and be proactive and get ready as the gap is approaching. We're already being proactive in those scenarios. Mm -hmm. One quick example of that is Falls Creek in Oklahoma is they have a program called Next Chapter yep. where the high school seniors um, go to that and there's actually the BCM directors and college pastors from the state come based on what campus and they can find their BCM director or their a leader there that can get to know them and tell them about the ministry and they can meet other students even from the same um, graduating class to already make friendships with. And so that's something, that's an easy thing. I mean, it's, I'm sure it takes a lot of work and all that, but I think camps and youth ministries could do that across the nation. I would love to see something like that next chapter program that Falls Creek is doing be implemented. And maybe we'll even do a whole episode, just kind of talk about the nuts and bolts of those type of type of things. Great. I also know about uh, I was talking to Trace, who's a leader of a network of retreats that he does, that he leads. They started one in Auburn called the Oaks, where basically they got, I think they're going to have a thousand incoming freshmen wow. do a retreat the week before school starts. Um, and they all, so these students, it's a Christian retreat. And so these Christian students are coming and they're getting to know one another. The different ministries are partnering together on it. And so they're discovering their people and finding their tribe even before the rush and the hype of Welcome Week takes off. So they kind of have this retreat. I know there's a similar one. I think it's called Impact at A&M. So there's different ones, but um, there's lots of different ways. But um, I think being intentional about those can be really helpful. Yeah, I, I mean, it really is a familiar face has such an impact or just knowing going in, okay, when I go to this event or go to this ministry for the first time, I'm going to know at least one face or one person. Yes. So I'm not just walking into the room blind, but I can walk in and go, oh, hey, whoever, um, whoever that is. So I really think that does have such an impact. I'm so glad there are so many ministries and just different even conventions state conventions trying to work together to close these gaps shane would you just end and close by just giving a word of encouragement to these next gen leaders who are faithfully discipling students especially in all these different transitions yeah absolutely yeah i would just say from the beginning it's kind of like the great theologians gi joe said <laughs> lacy do you know who gi joe is <laughs> just have a four-year time <laughs> no, I know what it is. I mean, it's like a a character. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> characters. I've heard of what it is. Yeah, they're the real American hero. All right. Hey, but yeah, the great theologians and philosophers, G.I. Joe used to say this, knowing is half the battle. All right. So I would just say, like, let's just start by knowing that those gaps are there. And if we know those gaps are there, then let's just start asking the questions in our context with our leaders and our team going, how are we going to close those gaps? Mm. Because the the finer details is going to look different in every context. So I would just say, hey, knowing's half the battle going, hey, we know these gaps are here. How are we going to address it? And we want you to know, hey, listen, this is somewhat of a new conversation for us. Like we've realized for several years that those gaps are there. I think they've actually gotten worse and wider after yep. the pandemic and, you know, through all those changes. Um, so we're still learning too. We're students too. And we want to learn from you. So if yeah. you're addressing those gaps in effective ways and you're seeing some really neat wins through those, we want to hear about it and we want to learn from you. So if you're doing that, we would love to just hear from you and you can just email us at, uh, at evangelism at nam.net, just evangelism at nam.net and tell us how you're addressing those gaps in your ministry. Cause we want to learn from you. And that gives us the ability to share your story with others who are asking those questions. Yeah. Mm, that's so good. And it, as always, we'll have some resources linked for you guys in the show notes, including this article that a lot of this conversation was based off that Shane wrote. So if you guys want to go deeper into that, and we'll have some other resources just for you to follow up on, or you can always go to jensen.org and make sure you're following us so that we can share with you guys when we have more resources coming out. Like Shane mentioned, him and Paul are working on some exciting stuff to kind of close this gap even more and equip you guys more and equip leaders more to close this gap. And so we loved getting to have this conversation today. We hope it encouraged you. We hope it helped you identify maybe something that you didn't notice before. And we can't wait to talk with you next time. Mm -hmm.